Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. Welcome, everyone, to the Confessional Podcast. My name is Mike Moran, and I am joined today by guest co-host, my good friend, Pat Stork. How are you, buddy? Doing all right. Always happy to talk about Halloween. Absolutely. Tell us, uh, before we get into that, what's what's going on with your, your shows and, and the, all the fun things that you do around Baltimore? Uh, well, they're actually starting to come back to life now, so we're starting to get like karaoke nights and trivia nights back together, and right. we're also uh, getting Mondo Baltimore back together. It's uh, been online for the last year and a half, where we've been doing weekly and just uh-huh. finding and all sorts of what, terrible what's, stuff uh, to What's show. the next film you're going to show on Mondo? I actually don't remember. All right. <laughs> yeah. We basically picked a whole bunch of stuff through the end of the year, and we've been kind of juggling the schedule a little bit, but it's not so much important what the movie is. Uh, just show up first Thursday of every month at the auto bar and you're going to see something that you probably have never even known existed. Right. And it's going to be a good time. Yeah, we've shown some absolutely bonkers stuff. The one we launched with, going back to live, was a Ugandan action film called Who Killed Captain Alex? <laughs> oh, those are great. Yeah. The, the Wakala Wood. Yeah, Wakali Wood. Wow. Movie, movie, movie. Yeah, we tried to explain to people, like, look, don't look into the movie. Don't try and understand what it is before you get there. Just experience it with the rest of us right. because it's not going to make sense until you're in it. So, and that's what we kind of try and want to present. Not like, oh, here's a cult classic come uh-huh. out because uh-huh. you love this thing. Right. So you're introducing. Yeah. I think I saw one with a giant turtle uh, rampaging through a town, if I'm not mistaken. Entirely possible. Like a lot of them, I blend in with just what I watch on my own. It was clearly just like a pet <laughs> shop turtle that was like. Yeah. Um, I am blanking on it. We've is been that, doing it, it for like it 11 years. Was it a killer chair or something as well? Like the well, I know we did Deathbed. Yeah, Deathbed, um, that's it. We, I know we did Deathbed, but we've done... God, I, I'm blanking on everything. what that is. Yeah. Well, like, what else do you got going on? You got you doing your karaoke stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, karaoke, I've got back for anyone in the Baltimore area. I do it Wednesdays at Auto Bar. Um, it's already getting packed immediately. Um, doing any uh, comic book writing? I'm doing some outlining and some developing for stuff that I'm going to start pitching hopefully in the next year, uh, but nothing actively coming out anytime soon. Can you tell us which titles you're pitching? Uh, Actually, it's going to be some uh, creator-owned properties. So um, I've got a Western concept. I've got a sci-fi utopian gone wrong concept. Uh, Those are the big two that I'm really outlining heavy right now. And then I've got one that's a horror comic that ideally would be about 30 issues, but like I... I've never seen a comic done in real time. Huh. And so, like, each issue, basically, it's a minute a page. Wow. And I want it to be just the course of like one 24. Kind of, yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, hopefully, they, they agree. I really like that. Pat, I'll tell you what else I like. I like our guest that we have today. Zooming mm-hmm. in, this fella, he's on uh, the, the Halloweenies podcast, one of my favorites, personally. They get even nerdier than we do about these films. 
Uh, he oh, writes I, for, I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> he writes for the uh, Onion AV Club from time to time, and he also hosts the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show. Please welcome Mike Vanderbilt, Pat. Oh, good morning, guys. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back. I had a really good time the last time I was here talking about Freddy Krueger. Awesome. Uh, one of my favorite, I mean, obviously my favorite slasher series, and uh, today we get to talk about possibly my least favorite slasher <laughs> series of the of the of the big ones. Well, before we get into that, Mike, wh- why don't you tell us what you got going on as far as uh, uh, right now uh, at the Rock Island Public House in Blue Island on the uh, south side of Chicago. We're still we're we're open to full capacity. It's like prohibition just got repealed. It's awesome. People are out drinking again. Although people are traveling again too, so we're recording this in July, and we were getting. A little, not too big for our bridges, but last summer was great because nobody could travel anywhere, so we were very busy. Uh-huh. And traditionally, summer is just a slow month because sure. people are out of town, people are doing things, people are right. barbecuing in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still awesome. But we're still showing movies every weekend nice. in our drive-in that we built. Yeah, you got some good ones built. going. Can you tell us uh, what you have? Yeah, we built the drive-in to kind of save our ass during uh, stay-at-home shutdown. And it did really well for us, so we're keeping it going. So each weekend we do three movies, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 9 p.m. And we try to, you know, link them thematically in some way. Right. This weekend we just wrapped up the summer blockbusters. So we did Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Batman 89 and Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park was a big success. I was very happy with nice. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend uh, coming up is Lollapalooza weekend here in Chicago. Oh. I won't be at the bar. I'll be tending bar at the Tito's tent, the Tito's VIP tent at Lollapalooza. So we wanted to do something music-wise, uh, so we're doing a Madonna weekend. Cool. We have Who's yeah. That Girl, Desperately Seeking Susan, and Dick Tracy. Nice, nice. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I always see your And I've been wanting to do a Wakala weekend uh, too. That's funny you uh, mentioned yeah. uh, who killed Captain Alex because I just think those movies, like you said, I think even if you don't know those, if you can get people to commit, and I, at Rock Island Public, I feel like we have at this point people trust us that whatever we're showing is going to be at the very least interesting, mm-hmm. <laughs> if not pretty fucking awesome. Right. And I think those Wakala, we, uh, I mean, I it's, they obviously have been doing it for years, but I feel like that stuff's ready to break through to the states in the sense that it'll be everybody's new favorite uh cult film right resort. right yeah because yeah. it's truly unlike anything else i'll tell you this you go though guys if uh if we're wondering who killed captain alex if it's in uganda probably Idi Amin. <laughs> well actually um I, I don't know if we want to give spoilers because the continuity and the logic of the movies isn't really strong Okay, but um, you don't. But find- thankfully, we have the thankfully we have the hype man filling us in. Yeah, VJ Emmy. Yeah, yeah. there's a actually- hype man in these films. Oh yeah, so one of the one of the most endearing features is that uh, it's a thing in Uganda where they'll have bootlegs of all sorts of movies from all over the sure. world, and the way you sell your bootleg better than somebody else's oh, is like a sign ha- spinner. Kind of, only it's over the entire movie. It is just an audio track. It's an audio commentary by a VJ, a video joker. And they 
Sometimes they're making jokes about the movie. Sometimes they're explaining parts of the movie. Sometimes they're just giving internal monologue for the characters or just humming a song that's in a character's head as they're standing there guarding <laughs> what? something. Or, yeah, it's or just, just naming steady... the character, just telling you who the character yeah. is on screen. <laughs> or like, oh, Add black. Yeah. It's like, it, stay tuned. This scene, next scene coming up is full action. Get I, ready. That I'm kind completely of <laughs> confused. So yes. this is this like a bonus commentary track that you can put on or is it actually no. part of the movie? It's part, it, it's... It, incorporated into the movie like it's not a part of the plot of the movie but i have not been able to find nor will i want to a version of like captain alex that is or so Bad weird Black where or did that where did that come from is well, that like a tradition thing yeah it's a ugandan tradition uh. if you're selling bootlegs you want yours to sell better than the guy down the street so you get a vj track and if your vj tracks are the ones that they want oh so they're not even officially part of the movie no like they'll show like transformers uh, they'll show a bootleg and there'll be a VJ, but it'll usually be in their native language. Wow. Uh, but VJ Emmy, and I think with Captain Alex, it was the first one in English for the Video Joker track. Oh. And that's why it was able to get out and so blow up for us. When you guys show these, do you do you have the Joker tracks on oh, them? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's, you need it. it. It's, uh, it's truly the. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there, but it is like the the piece de resistance yeah. of these films. Why don't they just make it a part of the movie? Why don't the filmmakers preemptively put a Joker you on know, there? It works so perfect as it is. Uh-huh. I don't want to. I don't want to tinker with it. It's just. It's. It ain't broke. Yeah, it's such. It's such a weird and simple and strange thing. Right. And I remember watching Captain Alex the first time. And really feeling like in 40-some years of watching movies, I had never seen or heard anything <laughs> like it. Yeah. And it just, it opened my heart again. Wow, wow. So you're familiar with these tracks, Vanderbilt? Oh, yeah. I it, Like, I, I saw it for the first, I saw these, uh, I think I saw Who Killed Captain Alex. No, I saw Bad Black at yeah. Fantastic Fest a couple years ago and was truly taken by it. It's, it needs to be seen to be believed. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Cannot recommend them enough, though. I like. Wow. We watched. I'm, I'm interested now. Yeah, we watched uh, Captain Alex the first time as part of a Mondo live stream while we were all in shutdown, the night that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed, uh, and the mood in the room was down. We were right. all just like, "Oh God, all right, do we really want to try and do something entertaining or funny?" Up, oh, show must go on. We pushed through it. We showed that by the end of the movie, everyone admitted we felt like a million bucks, nice. like that had taken the weight off of us for just a little bit of time. Awesome. Like, we were beaming. Like, one guy said he was crying from joy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> My like, God, you found the secret formula for happiness, That yeah. It really, it just, it turned our mood around. And for an action film, like, you know, lots of guns and death, you wouldn't expect to feel so uplifted at the end, but it's wow. just, it's kind of like um, Be Kind Rewind when they made the Swede movies, and you uh-huh. just see, like, a small community come together to make movies and doesn't matter how good it is. Right. They are having so much fun doing it that it's just infectious. Wow. And yeah, it just made us feel like a million bucks. It's a whole world that I know nothing about, but I I really want to get intrigued. But on today's episode, Pat, we are going to be, we're doing a a special side series that you and I do from time to time called Mm -hmm. How They Should Have Made It. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be looking at the 1989 non-classic film, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. A movie that came out in what is considered a terrible year for That was when when the slasher film died, I think. You had Jason Takes Manhattan, Uh bombed out. Uh, Dream Child, bombed out. Right, 
right. uh, this bombed out. It was a terrible year for horror sequels. Uh-huh. Just did not seem like anybody was interested. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a. I feel like it's kind of rough year for horror because I feel like this is a transitional period for the genre because, as you mentioned, the slasher is dying. Like we've got three lesser sequels to the big names. Uh, we won't see. Freddy's dead until 91. We right. won't see Halloween 6 until 95. 95. Yeah. And Ninth we won't see Jason Goes to Hell till 93, which is a favorite of mine, but totally kind of eschews the whole uh, slasher trope thing. It does its, yeah. it really truly does its own right. thing for better or worse. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. Some of the most bizarre films were made in the 90s of those slashers, like pre, oh, yeah. pre- Scream. They had no idea what to do with those yeah. characters. It was because horror had shifted. Like the slasher had basically worn out its welcome uh, with most of the audiences. And then 1990, you get Silence of the Lambs, which right, basically right. is like, oh, horror can be mainstream if we take it yep. seriously and, you know, make it like literature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, like the it's slasher. Pre- you had that prestige. You had that prestige sheen. On it, and you yeah. got like stuff like Misery, a lot of prestigious Stephen King adaptations, oh, yeah. and Leprechaun. stuff like Wolf. You have Mike Nichols doing a werewolf movie set yeah. around the publishing world. Uh, yeah, so I remember that, that one. I like. But that on the kid. other hand, there was no. It wasn't like there wasn't the low rent, low budget kind of exploitation junk that I love because Full Moon was thriving at this point. Yeah, it seemed to go, released yeah. It. yeah the, the, that type of film seemed to go back to video but for some reason they seem they probably could have made a ton of money releasing like friday the 13th and halloween's direct to video at that they point, could right? have but uh going straight to video was seen as yeah. basically a slumming it for right movies. oh yeah uh there were a lot of movies that bordered on do we go straight to video or not like i remember tremors 2 almost played theatrically yeah yeah they jason Prince. x almost went right to video yeah, it sat on a shelf for two years because new line just didn't know if they wanted to release it when nobody was caring about the, you know, about uh-huh. slasher stuff. And uh-huh. especially, like we were saying, going to such a weird place with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it, a weird little area, but you had pretty good low rent stuff. You had really good prestigious stuff. But yeah, the slasher was done for until Scream would come around, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it was either straight to video, monstery, you know, like exploitation stuff or. You were trying to do a prestige Oscar kind of, you know, uh-huh. again, like misery and silence. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, well, okay. The thing with, with Halloween 5, though, is a lot of people seem to love Halloween 4. I'm not a big fan, but I can see how it could have... See, for me, there's... When these slasher films get into their 4, 5, and 6, mm-hmm. that it stops becoming a horror movie for me, per se. Like, I don't expect to get scared at yeah. Halloween 5. But I... It, there's also something appealing about those too. Like when it comes, yeah. when it becomes like a, a, a periodic, uh, you know, ongoing story that they, they have to be creative enough to keep going. They have to figure mm-hmm. out creative ways to keep going and you just make it fun. They become sleepover films at that yeah. point for me. Like it, it, when I was a kid, if we would rent like Halloween one for a sleepover, we'd all be bored for half the movie. Yeah. But if we rent Freddy's dead, we're like jumping up and down the whole time. Exactly. It's, uh, Freddy's Dead was, I feel like, where the Elm Street films really dove in on it. Um, I would say Friday the 13th Part 6 and Bride of Chucky are the like in those franchises where they're like... Exactly. Nobody's scared of the villain anymore. They come to see the villain. Right. Let's just let it be the villain 
going nuts and having fun with it, like yeah. not trying to scare you yeah. at all. Like, yes, there's going to be gore, but you don't care about the characters. We're just going to go ahead and throw a bunch of crazy ideas at you. Right, right. Yeah. And to that point, I think why Halloween's 4 and Halloween's 5 don't succeed is while the Elm Street movies always were built on imagination and could at least, at the very least, you're going to get some cool special effects. You're going to get some cool set pieces with the dream stuff. Yeah. Some imaginative stuff. And even with the Friday the 13th movies, like you wouldn't expect it, but at least they're th- trying, they're throwing in, uh, essentially Carrie versus Jason. You brought, you injected humor into it with six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have even just coming up, having Savini come back for part four and doing some inventive kills, which uh-huh. was always a staple of the series. Halloween, the Halloween sequels really don't do any of that, and they keep trying to recapture that magic of the original film, but can't quite do it because they're not John Carpenter. Right, right, yeah. yeah. I will say this, though. It is kind of amazing how as poor of a film as Halloween 4 was, it was, they did have a pretty good dynamic between Rachel and Jamie. Yes. I thought we actually did care about them somewhat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so so you have this template to make a really good, or at least a really fun sequel to that, because we have the, the relationship between them, and we have that that uh, that finale with uh, Jamie, a really shocking finale for like kind of a, 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 a middle-of-the-road uh, bread-and-butter movie. And yeah. then at the end, you have this really shocking event. Yeah. And then they soft-pedal. They don't completely ignore it, but they soft-pedal it in five. Right. Of- Okay, she did that, but it was just a brief blip. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are we going now into what we would do with five? Well, because- let's uh, let's read a um, confession first. Uh, this is from uh, Ray Rosini Jr., West Haven, Connecticut. Jamie Lee, Jamie Lloyd should have been a tag along with Michael, where they team up. Jamie can provide the distraction for the next victims, where they don't accept a little girl there, and Michael can kill them. They are trying to figure out why Jamie's there. Mm-hmm. So he subscribes to the Jamie and Michael uh, tag team. Yeah, that was. I think that would have been. I think that would have been fine. But you know, for as much as people kind of want to pine for the golden age of the slasher, that being the eighties, and maybe kind of uh, say they say they oh, there's no imagination in these like a legacy sequel. Let's say something like Halloween twenty eighteen. Uh-huh. Um, but these movies were making the same mistakes that the modern sequels are making way back then. And something like that, I don't think is a mistake. I think it was more so film, uh, the filmmakers being so concerned about the IP and being scared to right. take a chance. Sure. sure. Like oh, absolutely. The, yeah, yeah. the Akkad family in general was very protective about it. Did not like pushing ideas into weird places. And in famously, I know there were a lot of pitched screenplays that they bailed on, including at one point Carpenter half joking uh, submitted an idea for J- uh, for Michael Myers going to space before Jason did, before, you know. Um, he's like, ah, just take him to space. Let's see what happens there. Because oh, Sean S. Cunningham never heard a John Carpenter idea that he couldn't <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jason and his... Well, um, okay, so, Pat, would, would you go along with, with that idea of having... Uh... Jamie be the sidekick kind of thing? Uh, That was definitely a part of what I had been thinking, um, that it does get to that point. Uh, Initially, Jamie is, you know, in a uh, mental facility. Uh, So are we going next year? Um, We could do that, I guess, because she's going to age a little bit, although Danielle Harris always looked younger than she was. But 
Um, I would say you could take it through the year, building up to the final act. See, that could be interesting because they never do that in those movies. This had to feel like doesn't exist until uh, October (laughs) twentieth or something. You know, yeah, like Act One is. Revealing that they didn't find Michael's body, uh, they've maybe found like some sort of a chest plate that he had under the thing to act, to explain how he took all those bullet shots, even slightly. Oh, it doesn't I don't know about be, that. <laughs> I'm I'm saying you could have included things like that where they're finding clues as to how he is. Or Michael's wearing Kevlar. <laughs> it's, uh, just like the old, um, you know, uh, was it fistful of dollars? Like this stuff. <laughs> plate. You know, he had something he's Marty to McFly. explain that he's not entirely supernatural. I hear, I hear you on that, but I feel like it's at this point. I mean, he was cremated in part two. Like, this is true. It, this you, is true. The, the one thing that I think they did wrong with part four is like you have to go supernatural at this point. He wasn't burned. He was fucking a pile of this ash at the end, and yeah. they brush it off with like he almost died in a fire. Yeah. And what do you think, we, Mike? Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I I I missed you guys. Cut out there. What were you saying? Oh, gotcha. Uh, just the fact that Michael definitely was burned to a crisp at the end of two. Um, so we're already dealing with the supernatural. And I agree. Like, He's got no eyes. Yeah. He shouldn't have any eyes. Right. Yeah. After part one, if we're, if, if we're truly dealing with continuity, you know. Yeah. yeah you got, he lost one. Lost one, one eye point. in the first one, and then at least and both of them in the second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And there is a psychic link clearly because. He didn't. He somehow knew that you know uh, Laurie Strode was his sister, even though the names had been changed and she'd been relocated. He then knew that with further name changes and relocation, that Jamie Lloyd was his niece. So there's got to be some sort of a psychic bond. You have to just roll with. So that. are you saying he's he is actually blind in part four? He's just. Um, uh, we don't have to. <laughs> we can just ignore it. It, let me ask you: Is it possible to get shot in the eye and then have your eye heal? Like, what what is the what is the healing ability of the human eye? I don't think it's. Oh, that I good. guess. Yeah. <laughs> you can't put like some. I'm out of my. Out I'm of out of my element on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always thought. All right, we can say he got shot like just above his his good eye. He got like right. Yeah. It's like crammed right. right in there. Yeah. Or maybe he does heal. Maybe there's yeah. Yeah, but they don't address that. They 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 needed to start four with like, "Oh my god, we cannot believe this guy survived this, you know, he must be pure evil or something." Mm-hmm. But they they just brush it off. So that's why in my version of Halloween 5, we would actually address that because it was such a huge elephant in the room in part 4. The uh the um the, the cops who are there at the scene when Michael falls in the hole, they, of course, get the call that Jamie did what she did, so they have to go, and they leave one cop there to That's guard right. it. And the rednecks are like, we're going to bury him here. Okay. And the and the cop's like, no, no, we got to wait till the morning. They're going to bring in a crane and bring him out and everything. Mm-hmm. And he they're, they're like, no, we're not doing that. And they're in, the cop's outgunned. So they get shovels from, from some shed somewhere. And they're like, we're going to bury him. And then they explain how he survived after part two, since we never addressed that. And it'll be a a kind of thing where um, the the very medical staff that he was trying to kill were like forced to revive him and bring him back to life and keep him alive. And they're like, we're not going to let that happen again. We're Mm -hmm. burying him here. What if uh, with that, um, as we round towards midnight on, uh, on Halloween, they've already established... Now, this is before they introduced the thorn in the five we got, but they had had uh, Samhain or Simane, as you know, some folks say. Um, they had established that in one and two, and more so in the novelizations. Yes, I read them. Uh, 
that yeah, most of the Halloweenies guys have too. They talk about them all the time. Yeah. There's some fun stuff in yeah. those. Uh, the four novelization is actually a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, if we establish that there is something mystic and that these sacrifices he's been doing each Halloween are what regenerate right, him. Right. And that could be why he comes back. As long as he kills on Halloween, yeah. he is able to regrow himself. Yeah, there, there does. I do think, you know, a lot of people point out how it's silly to do the course of Curse of Thorn stuff and the conspiracy, but it's like. At that point, you have to do something. You can't you just say this, this guy's just a regular dude who just yeah. kills on Halloween. Yeah, what, do, yeah. what do you think, Mike? How would you uh, start oh, Halloween? Oh, I club? love I, I, I have no problem with the, the Curse of Thorns stuff because at this point, when you're into the fourth, fifth, sixth yeah. film in a series, uh, why not? Like, I mean, if, if you're taking it serious, if you're taking it that seriously, you, you're 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 missing out. You're right. It, and that's part of the fun of those later movies for me is mm -hmm. like coming up with new ways to expand the world and give a reason why. Like when I'm watching Halloween six, I'm not thinking about the first hell. Like when I watch Halloween, I'm not thinking this character is going to be the same character in Halloween six <laughs> that I'm watching right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Halloween stands on its own, but the fun of getting into the ridiculous endless sequels that were so intriguing to me as a kid, when I would stare at the VHS boxes is finding creative ways to expand this universe. Yeah. That's But uh, the problem with these movies with all that is that I feel like with the Halloween sequels and a handful of the later Friday the 13th, in fact, most of Friday the 13th sequels past 6 is that they're so dour and they're you talk about the fun, but the movies themselves aren't fun. Mm -hmm. They don't have like any sense of whimsy they're they're dour and they're dull and they're yeah. ugly and they're they're cheap you you and would think it, a lot more you can feel that the filmmakers just aren't trying that they truly right. are simply phoning it in uh to hit that october release date yeah so that the, the akads can make some money because i'm not even sure what major studio released halloween five i was trying to figure it out uh before we got on the show and i Dimension? missed it out like maybe maybe fox i don't know um I'm trying to remember. Dimension was six. That was the first one they oh, picked that's up. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure four was distributed by Fox, but I'm not sure about five. Uh, like I think five it. was as well then because five was greenlit like opening weekend of four. So <laughs> yeah, it yeah, had to course, have been them basically saying more money for us. Yeah, right, it was right. like it was right on the heels. That's one of the reasons it was so rushed. Yeah, yeah. Now, Mike, <laughs> in your version of Halloween five, what kind of premise would we have going here? Well, I love the idea of I, I think because, like I said, uh, I think I think I think I said it off, Mike. As bad as these Halloween sequels are, I do think they have some of the best endings you're ever going to see. Halloween HBO is one of the great all-time horror movies. Absolutely, endings of all absolutely. Time, mm -hmm. I think, despite the fact that they not only did they backpedal it in seven, they were already planning on backpedaling yeah. it. Yeah, that and that's, ups that upsets me. Right. That, I thought they had some balls, you know? I know, yeah. I know. I thought that was the most amazing ending I'd ever seen. And then it goes right to the credits. No happy yeah. little yeah, epilogue. Nope. And here's the thing, no. is that, that whole switching his mask with the EMT plot, I would have been fine with that if that was like Halloween 5 or, or Friday the 13th 7 or something. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. fun, it's fun right. when it's in one of those films, but... Yeah. It, to do that after H2O, that was just... Uh, after the, the, one yeah. of the most triumphant comebacks... Of a franchise. Yeah. Or do it as yeah. a false win like 10 minutes before the end. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, that was finally the schoolyard argument of why didn't you just cut their head off? Yeah. Was yeah. finally put on I film. Know. And I think Halloween 2 has a terrific ending, and obviously the original one does. Halloween 4, another all timer, great ending. Again, that they backpedal 
and five. This different than like the Phantasm sequels, which I think almost, even though despite them all being di- uh, directed, written and directed by Don Cascarelli, save for five, that he's almost daring himself to see how he can get these characters out of the situation, and he always finds a way to do it. The Halloween movies always kind of, like you said, they soft pedal, they back pedal, and they, ah, uh, yeah, that didn't really happen the way yeah. that you <laughs> thought it happened. Mm-hmm. So I really think that having Jamie be evil would have been the way to go or go full on like Friday the 13th part six and inject some humor. Yeah, it definitely could have used some humor. Which they try with the, with the cops. Yeah. But (laughs) worst attempted humor ever. A fucking slide whistle. There is a (laughs) fucking slide whistle on a Halloween score. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Not not exactly Hitchcockian. I would describe the slide was I don't know. It must be that French sense of humor. I don't know. Maybe he thought uh maybe what's his name who directed this one? Dominique uh Atherin Girard thought this movie was funny. Uh <laughs> yeah. you definitely get that at moments where you think that he he, he he's playing uh the humor, but it's just not. I'm surprised he didn't have no. Michael do a mime thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, um, that's something you could have done when he meets Jamie is have him do the mirror game where they're like yeah, they're matching each other's movements. <laughs> or or back she and like forth. pretends she's in a box and he's like, Oh, well, yeah, guess I can't right. get her. Yeah. He's like banging <laughs> on the box with a knife. Just kidding. All right. Um, all right. So Mike, in your version, so Jamie remains evil, right? Now right. What, what happens to her? Do do they uh do they take her to the hospital? Does Michael get her? What goes on there? I would think you would have to have Michael break her out, right? Because there's no way she would be able to escape at the end of four. And if we're, uh, we're obviously taking this more seriously than any of the filmmakers did. Of course. And any of the Halloween films. Uh, Michael would have to come get her and break her out. And then maybe she, so she doesn't realize her full potential till the second half of the movie. Now, does she remain evil? I don't know if it would be better to have kind of a, uh, kind of a Star Wars kind of thing where she's deciding whether she's going to go to the light side or the dark side. Right. But uh, I think that would have been interesting in something like this. Uh, Another uh, idea I read about for Halloween five was trying to turn Michael Myers into a sympathetic Frankenstein monster Hmm. that I think they kind of missed an opportunity with in this one too. They kind of start, they play with a little bit, giving him a little bit of motion, but maybe have him have to, uh, you know, he he's the one who has to finally stop Jamie for one reason or another. I don't know, throwing some cult of thorn shit or something. Okay, all right, I'm liking it. Um, this is how I see it. The underlying theme here, and I, again, I'm getting way too serious about uh, the fourth sequel to Halloween: <laughs> <laughs> nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on here. Mental illness runs in this family. Michael is the ultimate example of um, um, predetermination. He has like no no will. He just kills. Yeah. Now the question is this this and and he his his the way he deals with his trauma is to abuse his own family and anyone in the way. Yeah. Now Jamie is she destined to have this evil gene, have this mental illness, or can she be saved? And how I and I'm going to show my cards for the third act. At the end, I would have it be like uh, Loomis kind of realizes he should have never gave up on Michael and just decided he was evil. 
And Jamie is still crazy at the end of this movie, and she's locked away. But Rachel vows to her that she's not going to give up on her, and it's going to be a long, slow process because that's what it is in real life. You know, in in a, in a Hollywood movie, it switches like that. You know, mm-hmm. but in real life, it's a long, slow process, and we end with that, and we have like oh. a sweet ending. That's that's good, and I think on the flip side, where I was thinking about mine, where it's like you finally. Maybe Michael Myers is the one who has to put an end to all of this. Right. Loomis turns heel. He turns to the villain because he believes that there's no stopping this. And it's actually, he's going to kill Jamie. And we, it's actually Michael Myers that which, saves Jamie by killing Loomis. Yeah. They dabble in uh, Loomis going over the edge in the five we get. Like he's yeah. definitely unhinged at this point. So oh, yeah, just he, dive in full on on that. Yeah. One of the, one of the best things about five is his truly unhinged performance. And I do like that the filmmakers were brave enough to not kowtow it because he is a likable character at this point, or he's like the mm-hmm. hero sure. of these films to kind of make him unlikable. Yeah. In this. What are, um, one of the things I was thinking is uh, Jamie is, you know, in a facility and like you do the first act is, you know, the time in between Halloween and Rachel is, trying to take care of her and she's starting to think about the things Loomis has said about Michael growing up Uh and she's starting to wonder if she should give up on Jamie but deciding to go the other way and she can meet with Loomis who has basically been removed of all licenses and like is going to him as a mentor except that he's clearly just gone off the rails and she realizes no don't give up on Jamie like he gave up on Michael there is potential that can create so much different dynamic yeah, conflict yeah. between the characters. Now, I will say this, though. Is it, we're, we're definitely capturing the emotional part here, which we should, because there was a right. good relationship, even though it's a fun, pulpy movie. But the the um, the mythology itself, I think, would have to expand a little bit at this point, too, which is why I would introduce the Cult of Thorn stuff in this mm-hmm. one and get it going as like a fun, almost like adult Goosebumps type of mystery thing yeah. where there's always like more to explore in the in the future sequels. Yeah. And again, like doing the, the Sawane stuff of if Michael has to do a sacrifice on Halloween, Jamie, right, maybe in the year in between, has started just having visions and started drawing Cult of Thorn stuff and like right. different runes and all that. And they research and figure out, oh, this is what Michael was doing. This ties to a regeneration or resurrection ritual. Uh-huh. And that she, they think she's trying to resurrect Michael, but Michael's already been doing that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, so you could tie it in, like, to add the supernatural of why it's harder to kill right. him, and that she's a part of yeah, this yeah. now. Yeah. So for me, it's my version takes place like Halloween two. It takes place the same night as part one, and it goes okay. all the way through to the morning where we, you know, that that uh, one of the good parts of part four was that that intro, like that creepy kind of melancholy around the town intro. We kind mm-hmm. of return to that at the end of part five. But um, my Michael will survive by he just kind of climbs out of the hole and like grabs a, grabs a shovel and like pulls one of the rednecks down or something yeah. and climbs out. Now, it, when, would, when would yours take place, Mike? Would it take place over the next year? I, I, I don't mind. I, I, I like the year afterwards. I, I don't think ah, that's good. That's a good question because. You, I mean, if you have it take place, well, because what you could do, you have it take place that night, and I. But how do you get Jamie out of the house? 
in yeah, my what, version. What, what Jamie's would happen there? And uh, it's, Loomis I mean, tries to kill her. Yeah, point, Loomis so tries to kill Loomis. her, and it's technically November first when he does. Like it's already the next day, like the next yeah, morning. Yeah, but, but so is Halloween too. True. Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's still there is something. You've talked about this on Halloweenies, like kind of the the hangover of Halloween. You know, like we're, right. or, or like yeah. any holiday, right. like even yeah. after Christmas, where there's still like some stuff out, but it's just not as festive. It's kind of yeah. like the. Uh, it's yeah. all over type yeah, of the feeling. rotted corpse of the holidays. Right, so, right, yeah. right. It, it, it would just be a, you'd have to figure out how to get Jamie out of the house that night. Uh, but you know, it. I don't know because if you're mirroring the original films, I mean, would that be weird having her out there in the clown outfit as the killer that night? I don't know. Might be kind of cool. It, it would be weird, but it would be fascinating. You know, I think you got to go weird after a while yeah. with these what things. If, <laughs> like opening, you know, like cold open of the movie is her killing other people in the clown outfit. And then we find out that when Loomis like pulls the gun on her, she's already racked up a body count. So like the end that of we Halloween didn't see. Four. Yeah. Oh, so you're talking about a mid quill here. Like back up, like the yeah, just like the first like twenty minutes is you get a couple kills in to satisfy. That's intriguing. I like yeah. that. But um, also another thing. I oh, was she escapes of, the house. She escapes the house to go save Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> we, she has to like sl- she'd have to slash her way through Loomis in the whole game, but she probably could because nobody wants to shoot the kid, right? <laughs> Loomis. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Loomis doesn't like the family doesn't find out until the next morning. So like we open with her having a kill spree and saving Michael, building up to what the cliffhanger was. So the cliffhanger is actually at the twenty minute point or so. We catch up. Like it fills in gaps. No, but that, that took that's place that night, though. I think when when she when would she have done these killings? Does it didn't they go directly from the place where they shot Michael to the house? Pretty I, much, yeah. So like yeah. you could have her after she kills her stepmother or attacks. Did she? They never say if she killed her or not in the. I say kill her. They they went bold. They they. went bold with that choice at the end of four. Be loyal to that choice. Yeah, at at least as we're doing it, it happened. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, in the actual part five, they're like, "Oh no, she survived, and Jamie isn't actually evil." Yeah. Um, So she gets out of the house, goes to save Michael Myers. He's down there with. uh, Well, I mean, you guys read about. You guys know about the original opening to Halloween Five. With the young guy, Dr. Right, Death. Right, Dr. Death, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, which you have to have that in there, especially if you're going to eventually go with the Cult of Thorn stuff, because it just makes everything make more sense. Uh-huh. Well, I, what I think would be cool is they never entered, like, the group of kids that they introduce in these movies is usually pretty lame. But why not introduce, like, kind of a group of, like, Goonies esque Monster Squad kids who are, like, almost doing the Paul Rudd character in part six, but it's a whole team of them who are like obsessed with Michael and maybe they hear over the CB that this actually happened and they're like, Oh my God, we got to get to Hattonfield and, yeah. and have and them be like the, the, the maybe classmates team. of Jamie's. Uh-huh. Um, so she knows right, cause that. that would work with the age uh, thing where now the characters are Jamie's age, not right. Rachel's age. Right. But you, because can't, that's but a you big also mistake. can't kill 12 year olds. Um, well, uh, I'm saying more like, s- like 17 year old Goonies. Okay, you could maybe have a mixed bag of them, uh, and they could get hurt, but we don't necessarily kill all of them. Right? Maybe lose one. Um, yeah, it, it's still possible <laughs> to kill kids. I mean, you know, um, was it uh, John Sales did it with Mimic? You know, he was like, "People don't kill kids in movies anymore." Yeah. I want to make sure. I, kids I feel like die in the eighties, though, it was just part of that unwritten code with the slasher film was that yeah. you just don't kill kids. That's how you stand out. 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. All right. So, oh, one other th- idea I wanted to propose. What if Jamie, after she stabs her mother, <laughs> Loomis tries to kill her. Everybody swarms Loomis to keep him from it. Mm-hmm. What if she just disappears? What if like we're like, yeah, that's when she Jamie? gets out. That's how she gets away. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like Michael would do. And she's going to to find Michael. And I need there to be an iconic scene of them two confronting each other in a darkened alley or something. And Michael reaches out her hand and she takes it. And we put that in the trailer. Oh. Uh, before that happens, like she's facing Michael and somebody comes up, like a deputy or whatever, and like puts his hand on her, like, you need to run right now, little girl. Like, and pulls his gun on Michael. And Jamie just takes her knife and just shoves it in the cop. And kills the cop in front of Michael, and Michael like tilts his head, yeah, and then they grab hands, and yeah, at the, like that could even be the ending. Is like she kills. That's the, cop. the ending. I think yeah. that's the ending, and it's that's what sets up what's going to happen in six. Because yeah, the movie that, could be yeah. the two of them trying to find each other. So then you get all the great, you know, because that's what you. I mean, that's what you go to these movies for. You go to movies for the kills. You get Jamie killing people. You get Michael Myers killing people, <laughs> and then they meet in the middle. Right. right. Well, it's almost a Mexican standoff too, with Loomis trying to kill both of them. Yeah, and he's real like he's realized he's lost both of them. Uh, Rachel is definitely messed up about it, um, but it gives Loomis a chance to retire out because that was coming anyway. Well, yeah. so <laughs> what would you guys do with Loomis for the for the majority of this movie? Oh, he's he's lost it. He is completely, completely unhinged. So literally like, insane in this one. He's lost it. He's lost all rights to practice any sort of medicine. He's been like, he's basically out of work completely. He's got nothing because his obsession has completely destroyed his life. Like truly take the kind of chaos of Halloween two and amplify it mm-hmm. with, cause now you have two killers on the loose. Donald Pleasance is Lewis on the loose. The cops hunting all three of them. Right. And they're out of their element because there's just too much going on in this small town. Yeah. On this night, yeah. then you bring in the mob, and you bring uh, <laughs> not the actual mob, but the mob of uh, the angry know, mob of this t- of the town of the town. I just you know go uh, go whole hog with it, yeah. And which I, I hope, which I kind of hope they're gonna do with Halloween Kills. Yeah, kind of. That seems like uh, all indications is like how the the early Halloween two. This is an angry mob movie, and the dangerous nature of that. Um, I don't know. That's what it looks like they're hinting at. Well, what I'm really hoping for is one of those joke DJs through it. <laughs> that was my favorite part. No. Uh, yeah. no. I do like the idea of like Dr. Loomis being like, you know, Captain Ahab and yeah, Michael yeah. being, the, you know, the, the great whale. Right, so. right. Well, let's read another confession here. This is from Sean Jones, Baltimore. Step, he, and he was as nerdy about it as we were. I actually wanted to see if he if he could stop by to be on this episode with us, but he uh, was busy. Um, step one: no goofy cops. Step two: don't kill a beloved, well endeared at least, character in the first act without a real payoff. Step three: maybe don't do the mute thing. Just off the cuff, start it with Loomis treating Jamie in the institution. Psychic link slash lame sinkhole coma plot can stay. Loomis is still using her to track Michael, who is cutting his way through town. He succeeds, but it was a trap by the Link duo to get rid of Loomis once and for all. She then turns on Michael and gets rid of him as well. Ending is her looking worse for wear on the side of the road being picked up. You look like you have some demons, kid. They're all in the ground now. And commas, they aren't. Cliffhanger can still be the man in black arriving at the site with Myers and Loomis. Would you guys have the man in black in your movie? 
I don't know where I'd put him, but I like the idea of the man in black. I don't like the payoff that comes in Halloween six. I think that's it's like, oh wow, that guy who was in Halloween for <laughs> for thirty seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh but I do like I mean it's a cool costume and that's that's half the game for me. Uh I like kind of the cowboy vibe, but I don't know what they could have done that would have been better. Uh-huh. Than six, but it could have been anything. See, f- for me, you could have done the whole cult of Thorn without the man in black. I didn't see why yeah. that was like so important. You know, I didn't even get it. when I was a kid when I watched it. I had no idea there was a man in black. I think I thought his shoes were supposed to be Michael or something. Ah, gotcha. And I then just... at the end, I was like, "What the hell just happened?" I thought that literally Michael like escaped and grabbed a machine gun and blew up the jail. <laughs> That's yeah. how he escaped. Although we never really saw Michael use guns, and that would have been interesting. Uh-huh. But now I, my problem with the Man in Black is that it turns Michael into the henchman, not the actual villain. Right. Like technically, Darth Vader was always a henchman. He he was under right. Tarkin, then he was under the Emperor. So he was like, he's what's memorable, but he wasn't in charge. And I like that Michael is a force of nature unto himself, and that there's. There are things, there are people that might want to control him, but putting that on it, just, I don't know, just kind of... See, I don't necessarily think it makes him the henchman because one way I think I perceived, this may be how I thought about it when I was, uh, you know, as a kid watching this, nine, ten years old, was that this guy is the henchman. The man in black Mm, is. Right, right. See, He's coming to help his boss out. For me, I don't see people always say that, like it, you know, it make it neuters Michael or something to make him be like controlled by this cult. But for me, it it doesn't really. I mean, he's already like a very unthinking kind of killing machine. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. already like a, a denizen of of evil or of murder. Yeah, and kind of just has that blankness to him, and just kind of does what whatever comes naturally to him. So like it does it doesn't take anything away from me if it turns out he's like a tool of a, of the cult or whatever. Mm. Well, no, because you could you could have that moment like we, I was talking about in my version of Halloween Five where he rebels against uh, this idea of him being controlled by the cult. Right. Yeah. Okay. And can kill off the cult a wholesale in the middle of a ceremony, like you just you were playing with the wrong toys, guys. Right. Yeah, I'm into that. So, where would you guys set your third act for this movie? Not in a stupid fucking mansion that doesn't look a thing like <laughs> the original Michael should, Myers well, house. That, well, that raises the question, though. Should we return to the original Myers house in this one? Because they did not <laughs> in part four. But, I mean, you got a whole you got a whole nice atmosphere there with a dilapidate that we never really explored all that much as far as, you know. Yeah. Um. You could, honestly, I felt like there was a little too much reliance on going back to the house and too much, you know, iconography for it. Him being a force out there in general and Jamie now being a force out there in general of murder, like them out in the wild to me is scarier. Mm -hmm. Because if you know this house is the one they go to, eh, then you stay away from that house. What what about returning to the mental asylum from part four? Because that was one of the few interesting parts. That I would be into. I'd actually think that the the last act, kind of like Halloween 2, was ended at a hospital. Uh It's the mental home, and that's where, like, Jamie has almost been set up as bait to lure Michael in. Right, right. And it doesn't go well. But, um, that yeah, you end it in a hospital just to kind of parallel Halloween 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
What do you think, Mike? Where would you set your third act? I think going back to the house is good because now if you think about this in terms of the Halloween series at this point, you have them return to the house at the end of the first one, or at least that's what's implied. And then you see the house in two, but I don't think you ever go in there. The house isn't in four, right? It's not in four? Correct. Uh, So I think going back to the house would actually be welcome at that point in terms of five, where it's in in place in a series. So similar to the third act that actually does happen in Halloween five, uh, depending on which one, which uh, story we're going with, which one of our ideas. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think going, going to the hospital, I don't know. Cause you got, then you got to go to Smith's Grove, which is, I mean, that's downstate, right. Or further downstate than, yeah, than Haddonfield, yeah. isn't it? So it's a, it's a trek to get there. So I think the house would be fine. Just as long as it was the actual Myers house and not the Adams family house <laughs> yeah. that yeah. they had them living in, in part five. Right. Not the uh, Disney uh, haunted mansion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the Hollywood horror, the Hollywood <laughs> yeah. horror nights version of the Michael Myers house. Um, all right. So now uh, our third act here are the, traditionally these films end with the, the final chase sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that always fails to capture the, the spookiness of the first Halloween. Yeah. Um, what's, but it'll be different now because we have two killers going on. How, how would that final final chase work out or would there even be a final chase I mean there would have to be because you have to build to the final conflict of the two of them meeting each other the showdown right um I feel like it would be somebody trying to vote like let's put Rachel in the middle of it she's trying to find Jamie she's trying to hide from Michael she keeps hearing noises around her and like we see Michael kill people and then Rachel's finding bodies that we don't realize Jamie has been killing. So she's in the middle of it, like trying to rescue Jamie, who has definitely been killing people. And we don't realize that until Jamie kills the cop at the end. But yeah, basically she's not aware that she's the wrong part. She's the mouse in all of the cat and mouse. Right. And oh, I like that. I like that. That is good. Like, yeah. yeah, she's trying to rescue somebody and then, or maybe she's even the one, that's how you kill Rachel respectfully, is that she rescues Jamie and Jamie stabs her and goes to Michael. Okay. Yeah, well, that's that's the moment. That's the, because uh, we, we brought up Star Wars several times at this point. That's the, the except it's not Darth Vader saving Luke. It'd be, what if Darth Vader just went to the Emperor's side? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luke, I am your and, father. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why didn't you exactly. tell me, Dad? <laughs> All right, so uh, and the- maybe you don't and you don't kill Loomis in this one. You save him for the you save him for the next one. Right. I like the yeah. idea of him going completely batshit crazy, and literally in the next one, maybe he is like living in a van, like completely nuts. Oh and yeah, consumed he's lost this. everything. Right, he is completely right. bottomed out in six. Yeah, and Rachel is yeah, Rachel is dead. He realized he couldn't save her; that she was too optimistic about it. You know who I just realized we should have made a part of this is the uh, remember the preacher in part four that picks up Loomis, the crazy <laughs> yes. guy. Oh, yeah, he should make a comeback in some oh, capacity. Yeah. And he because uh, he yeah he should get killed kind of like Crazy Ralph gets killed in part two of Friday the Thirteenth, like just. It's a familiar character we can lose in the middle to uh-huh. show, hey, nobody's safe. Right. Sure. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Now, do we vanquish Michael at the end of this movie? I, I honestly, I think you end it not even pretending to kill him. It's just him and J- Jamie walking away hand in hand. Okay. 
Yeah, that's it. And it, the, the music swells, you know, and it's a, I think it's a good cliffhanger, which kind of which stays in line with Halloween 5 as we see it now uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. with it ending on a cliffhanger. Yeah, don't even pretend like this is the last one. Yeah, it does get kind of old after a while. So like, you know, yeah. acting like, oh, I guess he's really dead this time. Mm-hmm. Well, But it is it. still also part of the fun to see how they capture him. I, I could say maybe like you capture him. You get him stuck in the, in, in, in the uh, sanitarium or something like that. But he's still alive. I don't think that works well with the, if you're having, if we're, because we all seem to be, we all seem to agree that it's got to be about him and Jamie. Like if you're going to go a completely different direction than what Halloween five was, it's all about him and Jamie teaming up. You have to end with them, you know, going on to their next, going on to their next adventure for lack of a better term. Yeah. And even if the series died and ended there, it'd be a weird cliffhanger that people write fanfic about for years. That's true. Indeed. Yeah, because I don't know what to do with the next one beyond that. Like, (laughs) that one is, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, you've seen the producer's cut of Halloween 6, right, Mm -hmm. Pat? Yeah. I know you have, Mike. I have, yeah, not not in a long time. I don't. I don't remember it being the marked improvement that people seem. To I think I really. I mean, again, it's obviously it doesn't stand up to the original. It's not great cinema, mm-hmm. but it it did kind of go in that almost like adult Scooby Doo kind of direction, where it's like we're just having the the campy fun and we're expanding this this mythology to include mm-hmm. all this stuff. And there's other villains besides Michael, yeah. and I'm totally good with that. You know, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh... In the, in the producer's cut, it was much more of the script. The guy who wrote the script was like, okay, the series is a mess. All of, like, the Cult of Thorn, the Man in yeah. Black. Um, he basically wanted to try and tie everything right, together right. back, even to, like, Which I appreciate, and it's kind of weird. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird for that era. Yeah. Where it's, a screenwriter was actually paying credence. Right. The previous film. Right, right. That's, yeah. that's the most baffling thing about part six, is, like, they... It, it, with as little care as they have put into these sequels, they made <laughs> they made sure to pick up on the continuity of a movie that came out six years later that failed at the box office and that fans thought was contrived. And they're yeah. like, and they're like, no, nope, we still got to stick. You know, like I, we, we I can see them keep, just we, brushing it off. I mean, was, like, yeah, he escaped from jail a few years ago. There's some weird guy. He killed him. Yeah, that writer took it very seriously. Right. He was a fan of it. Like I said, he uh, he incorporated elements from the novelizations to wow. tie things together. Yeah. To See, make that's, a what, I, full that's what I like about that idea is I could tell this guy had the love for it there. Yeah. And unfortunately, know? the director did not. That's why it's the producer's cut that uh-huh. we're saying is uh-huh. the better version. Right. The director right. just was taking a job and really not that invested mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I always wonder what would have happened if part six was successful and like what would have happened next? Yeah. I don't know. Cause I mean, it wasn't that long between six and doing H2O. Right. But I think the only reason H2O happened was because Kevin Williamson was such oh. a fan yeah. of the series. Yeah. And originally, apparently in, from what I've read, I haven't actually seen the document myself, but in his first treatment of it, it did incorporate all of the sequels it actually, I think, explained. loosely, loosely. It, it just kind of mentioned Jamie and and uh, right, and that uh, and Laurie says that I even had to give up my daughter because of Michael, and he found her uh-huh. anyway. Now Stuff that like that, that raises a question of if we if we can believe that, then could there be a cameo by Jamie Lee Curtis at the end of the of our fake Halloween five? 
And she's returned like, oh, I God, say, I thought I was protecting you, but he came after you anyway. That's the end of part six. All right. Like, we do, like, we end five with Jamie leaving with Michael. And then part six, we see if we can get Jamie Lee Curtis to come back in to save her daughter and come out of hiding. Right. That could be an interesting way. And. Oh, that's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Then you could have her versus Loomis. Loomis wants to kill her daughter and she wants to save her daughter. And so, yeah, that could be the core conflict of six. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm gonna go back in time and make it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you think it, 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 it definitely. I think it's and it, it, yeah, and and you know you could still have the yeah. You know, well, the cult of thorn stuff is introduced in part five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they have the tattoos, so you could even bring some of that in to make it really weird and really wild. Yeah. I never really had a problem with the cult of Thorn stuff. It's more just that part six, if we're talking about part six, is that it's just kind of a dour, dull, ugly movie. And it made no with sense. No like s- I didn't understand it at all when I saw it. As a oh, kid. Well, that that's a perfect example. And I think Halloween five is like that too, for me where, and there's, I, I, I could probably put together a list of this of movies that I saw arguably just a little too young. Like I probably saw Halloween five when I was 10 when it came to video, I definitely saw Halloween six at the show, you know, the weekend it came out and you say to yourself, well, you know what? Maybe I'm too young. I don't understand this. Maybe I'll mm. get it when I get, I understand it when I get older. And right. then you see it when you're older, you're like, Oh no, this movie just doesn't make a lick right. of fucking sense. You almost yeah. think it's like you, you misunderstand it the way you, you can't quite follow like silence of the lambs or like other grown up movies. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. You, I need to go <laughs> back. I missed something. Uh, I, I must not understand yeah. this in, in this, this very uh, literary, yeah. you know, <laughs> Halloween <laughs> six must be over my teenage head. <laughs> right. I yeah. must not understand. Yeah, it. No, that's what I totally thought at the time, you know, like, um, but I do remember it was it, that was one of those things where I didn't get to see it in the theater. I was in ninth grade. I, I had been to the theater to see a few R-rated films, but I think that was partially because in Harrisonburg we like knew the people a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like so they let us in to see Candyman two or whatever. And then we moved to Baltimore, and um, I remember it was one of those. And this is one of those things that you never get to experience nowadays, where I wanted to see it so bad, but I couldn't see it. Had to wait for video. And I kind of like forgot about it, you know, because of everything that was going on in my life. And then I, I popped into the video store and there there is Halloween, the curse of my Michael, just waiting for me to rent. And it was just one of those wonderful surprises where I had like no idea it was coming out at that time. I'd like kind of forgotten about it. And and kids today will never experience that joy. Oh, well, yeah. a qu- just a quick aside on Halloween six for me, because I remember it was on the trailer for the origin of Michael Myers was on the Pulp Fiction VHS. Right, that I right, watched right. incessantly when I was 14 years old. And Halloween 6 uh, was one of the first movies me and my, uh, still my best friend, one of my best friends in the world, uh, Dan Lynch, and I went to see together when we went, when we had started, we had started high school at this point. And I was his best man at his wedding a couple years ago, which means that I may have written the only best man speech that mentions Halloween 6. <laughs> The curse of Michael Myers as as a very important moment in our friendship. Wow! <laughs> so let's raise a glass to uh, Doctor Wynn as they embark on this journey. Yeah. 
<laughs> As we all know, Loomis is the uh, represents the uh, the love between a man and a woman. Oh mm-hmm. God, I was so I was so excited for That's Halloween awesome. Six too. Yeah, dude. And it was, I, oh yeah, I had this vague memory of seeing like an entertain. Remember, like on Entertainment Tonight, every now and then you'd get like uh, you know they talk about the new slasher movie for just like a tiny little segment. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this memory where I swear they said it was going to be called Halloween Six. Michael Myers is back. Possibly, uh, I remember. The, it, I remember it being called title, Halloween Six Six Six. Right, the origin yes. of Michael Myers. I remember yep. seeing that later, but at the time, for some reason, it, maybe I just, maybe I just, you know, maybe it's a Mandela effect or something. But well, um, as it was, like, as it was getting like you know discussed originally, I was on a lot of uh, news groups and Usenet. Um, ah, the news groups. Yep. My God, I was taking me back hardcore into all of that stuff and i remember reading all sorts of rumors uh that's where i'd heard about john carpenter wanting to take him to space uh i remember reading that quentin tarantino had said he yep. had a treatment for a halloween six. which is true i think right it no that's be- true and yeah. i found out uh mike rothman co-host on the halloweenies when he interviewed quentin tarantino two years ago that he actually listens or has listened to halloweenies has he really in the past oh yeah. that's awesome Oh man, you should get him to say a quote or something. Yeah. I know, right? Because, but like Robin <laughs> was saying, like he had to keep him on point because they were there to talk about, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood that he wanted to, you know, you know Tarantino. You've oh, heard him. Man, have you have you guys reached out to him? Not, no, I. That's on Rothman. He's got the connect. Um, it would be cool. To, yes, look, that would be a dream come true yeah. to get Quentin Tarantino to come and. Talk I feel for like four that's hours. something he would be into because how often does he get to talk about Halloween? The Halloween, yeah, right. It's like we know you're not going to make it. We know that, like you know, the actors have changed out. So what would you have done? Just tell us now, like what, what what's the movie we missed out on? Well, he, I think you know, he we, did. we won't even we won't even need to be there with him because he'll just go on for sure. three hours. Yeah, you put him you and talk. Robert England in a in a room together, and you'll have four <laughs> days worth of content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did he did give some of his outlines for the for for what his plan was, and I think it and it sounded really bizarre. I'm sure he would have made it be interesting in some way, but it, I think he wanted to make it like a road kind of murder movie okay with the man in black and michael traveling across the country interesting that works for me i like that i like that again everybody wants to keep as because i remember when halloween 5 came out i did not see it in the theaters i would have been nine i was just a little too young to be going Mm. to see how horror movies at the the theater but i would read fangoria so i'd read the letters section which was the original twitter where people would write in and complain about whatever new movie came out and that's the first place I read about the man in black, this character. And it was very divisive then, as you mentioned, but the fact that everybody from Tarantino to the writer of Halloween six, we have to keep them in there. We have to explain this. Yeah. Wow. That's it. It it was around that time too, when it became totally okay to just not give a shit about continuity. Like Pat and I were talking about before the podcast, Mm -hmm. like Jason goes to hell, no explanation for how he left Manhattan. Freddie's dead. You know, I guess that one could kind of be in continuity, but they really just, they didn't really address anything that happened. They never killed killed Freddie until Freddie's dead, where they went back to the first movie. Like, remember that? We never really tried to do the thing that worked would have worked in the first movie. Well, that's yeah, that was the weird thing for me is when when I like, saw Freddy's Dead, I had seen that before the first one. It might have been the oh, first. Wow. No, I think it was the second Freddy movie I saw, 
And I remember thinking, like, that's a really clever, cool, like, that's a great way to kill Freddy, you know? And, but then, <laughs> right, like, drag right, him into right. the real world. But then to find out they already did that. Yeah, it's like, you, you were so close, guys. Like, oh, come on. Yeah, it's, you know. But I love Freddy's. I still actually kind of like Freddy's dead a lot more oh, than, than most people. I think it's people. a blast. I, th- the, I always say it, the worst, quote-unquote, worst Nightmare on Elm Street movie is still a hundred times more imaginative and more entertaining than the quote unquote best Halloween sequel. Um, yeah, there, there certainly was with, with every nightmare, there's something interesting in there pretty much. Yeah. You never really get bored with those, even like part five for me. Although for me, I think part seven is the most boring one of all. I know I, I'm in the minority. Yeah. With that, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't adore a uh, new nightmare the way, Everybody else does. People just love saying the word meta. They think like liking people like thinking people like thinking that liking New Nightmare is like the equivalent of like liking a prestigious horror movie, like something like Silence of the Lambs. That's the one you should have mentioned in your your wedding speech. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my! But but Pat, you are you do enjoy. I actually quite enjoy New Nightmare just because it was trying something different with the series. Absolutely, I was like, okay, the series has been inventive as it's gone along, and here is a way to completely from the ground up recreate it and not negate Freddy's dead. Freddy is dead, right? Yeah, yeah, like you're saying that happened. Yeah, like here's something else we can do along with Halloween. Like New Nightmare is kind of the Halloween four of the Freddy series for me. Because it seems to be like all all the all the fans who look at it with a critical eye like it, and I just don't get it. Same with Nightmare Four. Actually, I think that's one of the worst. Uh, yeah, Nightmare Four. I'm not nuts about. I used to love it as a kid, yeah. but uh, over the years, I'm like, there's a lot of fun stuff. There's some amazing effects. There's some mm-hmm. inventive kills, but as a story, it just kind of meh. Yeah, it, it didn't. Yeah. It never. It it was shot more as a action comedy than it was a horror movie right, for me. Right, right, yeah. Kind of, kind of the Rocky Four of the series for me. Yeah, it's, it's you're you're, you're going too cartoonish. Let's uh-huh. run, let's rein it back in a little bit. Right, right, right. And like New Nightmare would be Rocky Balboa, where it's like, okay, let's get back to trying to scare you with this. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, but it's weird. It's like you know, I do enjoy a good pulpy fun campy sequel if it's done right like mm-hmm. Freddy 3 did it right Friday 6 did it right uh, Halloween 4 bordered on doing it right yeah. for me and like Bride of Chucky did Freddy it. versus Jason I thought yeah. worked in that way and you it can kind of wild like when you look at the like Elm Street Halloween Friday the 13th series like I think that's the big problem with the Halloween movies is that you don't have a Friday the 13th part 6 in the Halloween right, series. Right, right, right. You don't have a, even a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, one that I adore, uh, that fun. You don't have a fun mm-hmm. sequel. Mm-hmm. Not even Halloween 3, which is silly. I mean, but it doesn't have that real kind of wild sense of fun that yeah. I think the best uh, Elm Street and Friday the 13th sequels. So, okay, so yeah. go, going back to our version of Halloween 5, what what yes. kind of atmosphere would you guys go for? Would would you make it that fun, campy kind of... Like, for me, it would be campy, it would be Halloween-y, it'd be very, you know, like, lots of, lots of spooky Halloween stuff everywhere and mm-hmm. uh, very vibrant... Um, and and not really trying to recapture the mood of part one at all. How would you guys create your atmosphere? Uh, well, I, I would start it with the aftermath. I would start it like 
we have to deal with this. This is a bad situation. It's grim. Uh, stepmom was killed. And dealing with, okay, she's in a home now. Loomis is losing his shit. And like open heavy. Mm-hmm. Then as the year goes along between, between this Halloween and the next one, people let their guard down. It starts to get light. It starts to get funny. Yeah. You introduce a sense of humor to it so that the last act, you've now given them morose. You've given them you know, light. You can go batshit crazy with the action. Mm-hmm. So you've already set enough tone that'll satisfy those itches mm-hmm. that, yeah, with the finale, you can say we can be fun. The, if you want to take this as scary or you want to take this as funny, both are on the right. table. See, that's why I, that's nuts. why I want to have like a Goonies squad coming in in, in a Scooby-Doo yeah. band because they could provide some of the fun while still driving the plot along because they know all the, you know, they've been studying Michael Myers for the last 10 years or mm-hmm. whatever. Mike, what would your atmosphere be like? You know, it's funny because uh, as you guys are saying this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm falling into the same trap of filmmakers saying, oh, my God, having too much fun with it would be such a departure, despite the fact that I'm saying the problem with these sequels <laughs> is that they never departed from that kind of dour atmosphere. Uh-huh. So I, I'm right on board with you guys. Like, that's what that series needed at that point. It needed that jolt and needed that injection that Friday the 13th Part 6 has. Or even Jason Goes to Hell has, where... Yeah, we're getting weird. We're getting wild. We're bringing in sci-fi stuff. We're bringing in mystical stuff. What does it fucking matter anymore? Throw everything at the wall. See if it sticks. Even have like a even if you bring in like a Jaws three people zero vibe, where it (laughs) yes is it's it's totally winking at the audience the whole time at this point. It would been it would have been welcome at this point in the series. See, for me, I and it would have been worked with all the wild shit that's happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I wouldn't want the whole vibe of the movie to be comedic. I no. would want it to be a dark kind of fun, but still kind of dark, you know, horror roller coaster. Yeah, but so have comedic Elm- characters in it. Elm Street Three, I think. Yeah, is totally. Kind of the- definitely, definitely. Yeah. But but that's the thing with comedy is you can have. You can get your comedy by just having funny characters that don't distract from the heart. You know, like uh, like that movie and- Flight. That was a very serious, you know, drama character study. But John Goodman was just a funny character. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And I think uh, when you talk about fun, we're not necessarily even just talking about funny as we are talking about like that that sensibility, that roller, like you said, that roller coaster mentality where you don't necessarily want the audience laughing at the situation, but you want the audience on the edge of their seat kind of giddy right? as they're mm-hmm. watching this this yeah. thing go down. Like mm-hmm. going to a good haunted house attraction. Sure. Like, yeah, you're, they're going to jump out. You're not going to be terrified. You're not going to be running out the door or like screaming or punching one of the, you know, employees. Yeah. This, but it's, this isn't about trauma. This isn't about trauma. This isn't about grief. This isn't about any of the other buzzwords. This is about a roller coaster ride on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. with your friends. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we got a pretty good outline here, you guys. Yeah. Now, Pat, we need you to make it as a comic <laughs> book, and then we will we can maybe yeah, we make just it as a movie. Have to figure I'm out who has the We need rights. more of that. We need... Yeah, I just... Yeah, I think... I'm uh, oh, sorry. Akkad still owns the shit, right? I believe so. I'm not sure, he but I know that... Help. There were uh, you'll they'll pry that from his cold dead hands, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is dead, isn't he? Well, Mustafa oh, no, uh, is, but Malika Khan is yeah. And yeah. I know that they had done uh, some Halloween comic books. Uh, Devil's Do Publishing is the last one I think that had put them out. Mm. But 
they went through a couple different changes and I don't know where the rights are anymore, if they're still holding on to it or if somebody else has it or if it's just kind of gone out into the ether. Hmm. But yeah, series of Halloween comics would be a lot of fun because you Absolutely. could just do alternate sequels. Yeah, we should, there should do... be like a what if for horror franchises and we do like, you know, a comic series yeah. on that. That would be cool. Dude, we should make that happen. That'd be I, awesome. I agree with that. I think yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. Like to, something. Yeah. All right, you guys. Some emails that'll never get answered. <laughs> well, you know people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just you know, you know Stanley personally, don't you? Well, the ghost of him, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I try to stay. The away ghost from the of him in a cod. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> All right, guys. Any other thoughts you want to you you want to express in relation to this fantasy Halloween five film? <laughs> you know what? I I wish. Like uh, Halloween 2018, uh, which I wrote in a confession for you for your confessional podcast on that one. I wasn't yes. able to join you for that one. Yes. Um, I, I I feel like because I hang out with that Halloweenies gang uh, that I, people think I hate it as much as a lot of those right, guys do. Right. And I, I really don't. I, if you ever read my Daily Guy in House Review, I think I essentially gave it a, a C plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the biggest problem they did with uh, that one and is that they they put too much faux importance on it, uh, but then they kind of undercut that by not really exploring any of the... If you really wanted to explore like the character's trauma, uh, then do that. But they, they couldn't quite do it. They started focusing too much on the teenagers and making it another slash movie. But if you're going to make it another slash movie, just make it fun. And I think Halloween Kills, I'm going on record, is going to rectify a lot of that. Because it sounds... So? It sounds fucking batshit crazy. Yeah, it's intriguing. Yeah. The, the 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 trailer is intriguing to me. And when she did the thing with where she's like, uh, he he gains power every time he kills somebody, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I feel like they with with that one, they were like, okay, nobody wants like an unkillable Jason monster, so let's make him be like a regular human again. But they kind of went too far with that because he's not. There is like a little bit of supernatural to to the mm-hmm. to the. And the, you know what? So what? Anybody who's going to get mad about that? Like, look at this. Look at this fucking mess of a series. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. he is doing these kills at age sixty. So you know <laughs> that that alone is is tough to buy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I am looking forward to Halloween Kills. Absolutely. I have no idea where they're going to go with Halloween Ends after that. Uh, but they did say that's the end of their trilogy, and I've seen pull quotes get it wrong where they're like, and there's going to be more Halloween after that. It's not them saying, yeah, we're going to make more after that. They're saying it's a horror franchise. We're going to end yeah. it. We're going to end our trilogy definitively, and probably five years after that, they're going to give somebody sure, else money sure. to do more. And I, you know, so, at this point, I'm okay with that. I oh, like, yeah. I like that there's all these different continuities and all these different ways you can go. It, to me, it doesn't take... Like, a lot of people say, like, well, it takes away from the original movie or whatever. Yeah. It really doesn't for me. I mean, Halloween is a Not spectacle at this point. of itself. Yeah. Right, yeah. I grew up yeah. on comic books, and continuity is rebooted all the time, and different writers negate or incorporate things from different people, and you just say, okay, sure, yeah, this is that guy's run on this book. Like, right. you can have so many people restart and restop Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's not Spider-Man, he's Ben Riley, and all of it matters and none of it matters. Mm-hmm. Did you tell right. a fun story this time? Right. 
just like let's not do it. I, I think filmmakers sometimes get in the habit of just fucking making remaking the same movie over and over again. I think that's what's happened with Batman now, yeah. where Batman can only be Christopher Nolan style Batman, mm-hmm. where it's got to be realistic and it's got to be dour. And I feel like Halloween will end up being the same thing. Like everybody wants the Friday the Thirteenth movies to come back, but everybody wants a throwback to the original. Why? Yeah. We have the original. Let's- do something weird. Do something wild with it. Well, it's funny that you brought Batman up with Halloween. Um, if I ever got to pitch doing a Batman movie, <laughs> it would basically not be announced as a Batman movie. You'd find out opening day. It'd basically be like a Don't Breathe or a, where it's a bunch of or trespass, bunch of criminals on a job, and one by one they're getting picked off through the movie. And it's Batman, but it's Batman being the terrifying thing that he's supposed to have been. Love wow. it. And you find That's out great. at the end, well, oh, this was guess- a Batman movie for like. Shoot it for like $20 million, and you've got a huge Batman movie to make all the money off of. Well, uh, I guess we know the topic of our next How They Should Have Made It. Right? <laughs> well, already, that was it. That's all <laughs> I got. That's all I yeah. gave it away. Um, what about this? What if after uh, th- this latest rash of, of reboots, you know, that were the, kind of the legacy sequel era that we're in right now, Hmm. What if they, I know it would be a rights nightmare, but what if they started a shared slasher? They re, the next reboot is a shared slasher universe with Michael, Freddy, Jason, uh, Pin, Pinhead, maybe Leatherface, yeah. maybe. Well, half of them are still under dimension, and then the other half, I guess, are still mixed up because Paramount's got Friday the Thirteenth back. New Line is Elm Street and Texas Chainsaw. So, I mean, you'd have to get the companies to play ball, yeah. but they might. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting, but you'd have to figure out who you're rooting for in any of it. Like, just having a yeah. battle royale, could, I mean, <laughs> well, that's what kept uh, Freddy versus Jason from happening for so long. Right. Well, yeah. it's like, it, well, it, well, Freddy versus Jason works because, I mean, out of the two of them, Jason's the anti-hero, right? I mean, that's... That's easy, right mm. there. Yeah, Freddy's the Freddy. evil. Yeah, you have the child abuser versus the uh, the you know abused child. Um, Michael Myers could go either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leatherface, I think, is a antihero. Yeah, and yeah. you'd want to bring the whole family in anyway. Yeah, Pinhead's just doing his job. That's Hell's accountant <laughs> right there. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bureaucrat. He's just trying to get shit done. He don't care. <laughs> right. Well, okay, if they did something like that, would you want it to be more of a Conjuring vibe or more of a Freddy versus Jason, Bride of Chucky kind of vibe? I, I got to lean the Bride of, you know, Bride of Chucky, Freddy versus Jason. So you would make the whole thing fun. You wouldn't even start it yeah. off being spooky. Oh, what if you do it as Pinhead and the Cenobites need more enforcers, and so they do an Expendables style where they bring all of the slashers in as like a team of vengeance. I for some reason though I feel like Freddy would have to be the mastermind if there was something like that going on. Well, he can be team lead and like a pinhead's just uh Hell's accountant like Mike said. Yeah, he's he's just, the one who brings him in the office. Him. He's the Amanda Waller and you know that <laughs> Freddy runs the suicide squad. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys. This has been great. Thank you so much, Mike Vanderbilt. A pleasure uh, coming by once again. Awesome. We'd love to have you by another time. And, of course, uh, Mike is part of the Halloweenies podcast, which you can find everywhere, and the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show, which I believe you can also find everywhere. Right, Mike? Everywhere. Awesome. Everywhere. And, Pat, uh, any anything else you wanted to plug before we wrap up? 
coming soon, keep an eye out for the Amityville Horror Podcast, where my buddy oh. Tom and I, uh, we are watching all of the Amityville Horror movies. We, we've we banked a bunch of episodes to make sure we could actually get through it. Um, <laughs> That's a good call. You know, yeah. the Amityville movies aren't as bad as you expect them to be. That's really. what we've been finding out. We're eight in on watching them so far. Um, like I said, we wanted to make sure we could get through a couple. <laughs> well, and sure. There's and no been... continuity between these. It's not a series. It's just yeah. like a bunch of different... Uh, movies, the right? continuity's not bad, though. I mean... Ooh. Really? It's not bad. I'm it's... just saying... Interesting. In the ones we've watched so far, they've destroyed the house, I believe, four times. <laughs> like, blown it up, burn it to the ground, yeah. uh, said it was demolished. Um, so uh, part, four, part, part four, the made-for-TV one, is pretty good with Patty Duke. Yeah, I was. we were re- we were both very surprised at that, and also how bloody it was for a made-for-TV movie. Oh, the, 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 uh, the what do I say, the garbage disposal. Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was, that's always been a bit that gets me anyway. Um, so, yeah, and it was particularly... Yeah, I have a garbage, a garbage disposal in a house, and it's like, anytime I'm fucking around with it, it's like, oh, yeah. go downstairs, turn off the fuse box, unplug it, like, just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't need that in my life. I know. What yeah. What would happen if a gar- if you had your hand in the garbage disposal when it, when it goes off? Yeah, I would just chew the fuck out of it. So it, you you would be it wouldn't be just like a gash you would your fingers would be like mangled. It's the, it's mangled. what it does. It literally is supposed that must, to chew that your garbage up from so time can, to time, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know what like safety features they have, but the whole point of it is to chew your garbage up so it can run down the sink. <laughs> so I can't imagine it's going to be good for you. Yeah, yeah. It just seems. I like don't that. know. If, I don't know if you'd be like permanently deformed like William Devane in Rolling Thunder. Right. But you would, it would, it would be fucked. You, you'd, you'd be, you'd be out of commission for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Yeah, it would, okay. it would affect your handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, could you use your phone? That would be the the biggest thing. Yeah. Um. What did I want? Oh, my, Pat, we may as well go ahead and plug the uh, our, our party on uh, September twenty fifth, where we're going to be debuting the uh, the MTV tribute band. Yes. Pat is uh, going to be doing the the visuals for that, and that uh, should be a good time. We're doing like a, a a cover band that plays over the old MTV videos with MTV footage in between. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's a full like MTV experience, but it's not just showing you the videos. Like you really get to experience a live concert yeah. with the nostalgia of exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's going to be debuting September twenty fifth at the Waverly Brewing Company. In uh, where is that? Is I that Hamden? Be or is Hamden, that, yeah. um, Hamden Midfield. Uh, it's definitely not Waverly. No, definitely <laughs> not Waverly. It's named for where they, I think, got their, you know, got <laughs> right. going. But yeah, it's it's down by the Meadow Mill Complex uh-huh. in Hamden. Yeah. If you're familiar with the area, and if you're not, watch a John Max. Waters movie. Yeah. <laughs> have you, <laughs> Mike? Have you ever been to uh, Baltimore? No, but I've I've always wanted to visit. Well, you should come. It seems like a pretty cool town. Yeah, yeah, it is. A lot of good stuff going on. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, guys. This was an excellent episode, and I hope we do another one real soon. And uh, we will see everybody next time on The Confessional.